according to his power at work within us. And I want to start here because I think sometimes when we in America read a passage like this about God doing far more abundantly than we ask, our mind instantly goes to places of prosperity and of success and of making it and of chasing your dreams. So we have some churches that are explicitly prosperity, that God wants to make you rich. And then you have other churches that are a prosperity light of sorts, in which the message peddled there is that God wants you to be happy, and he wants you to chase your dreams, that whatever dream you have, God wants you to go and get it. And what we have essentially done is we've baptized all of our personal dreams and said, that is what God is calling me to do. And we baptize our personal dreams. And I think when we hear that phrase that God wants to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, we go, well... I asked for a really nice car, so he's going to get me an even better car. Or I asked for this much success, he can do even more. Or I asked for this, and he's done that. And we can think in all personal dream-chasing terms, in which we are the center of the story. But this passage makes clear in 21, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. It's centered in Jesus and his body, the church. So if we are going about saying, oh, God is going to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, I'm going to chase my dreams, here are some steps to make that happen. Just ask God and he will achieve success for you, that you will be blessed beyond measure according to your own personal dreams then we've missed the point of the passage. Now, I want to go on record, say, I'm for your personal dreams, probably. Like, if you want to achieve something, if you want to accomplish something, I'm not like, boo, down on your personal dreams. But we have to pause and go, is that what God is calling you to? That isn't just because you have a dream doesn't mean God is going to stamp that. It doesn't mean that God is going to do far more abundantly than what you ask. God may have something completely different in mind. We are part of a faith in which martyrdom is what God brings some people. So to think it's always upward and onward and on to bigger and better things that you are just going to keep on climbing, and maybe you will. Maybe you will keep on climbing. Maybe you will be extremely wealthy, and there is nothing wrong with that. But we need to extract that promise that God is going to do far more abundantly and put it back in the context of this passage. And here are two places that I think this passage is going to direct us. It says that, work, that power is at work within us. So what are we asking God to do in us. Now, maybe you aren't asking God. Maybe we need to start there. Are you asking God to do something? Are you asking God to do something? It says he's going to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Maybe you aren't thinking much about that. Maybe you aren't asking God for anything. 
So first question I want you to think as we are working through this passage is how, what are you asking God to do in you? Maybe there's a sin that's a hang-up for you, and it just keeps coming up. Maybe uh, your emotions master you in too many situations. Have you asked God to help you in that? Maybe you just have a lot of pain from your past. Maybe God, maybe you need to ask God, will you work something in me to bring healing from what I face? Maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's fear, maybe it's anger. Maybe it's a lack of something. Maybe you don't feel like I'm loving, I'm, I, I'm not loving enough, I'm not compassionate enough. But God's power, and this is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, is at work within us. Like, I say that, and you're like, okay. But think about that for a second. God's power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work within you. And that power can do far more abundantly than what you're asking. So we got to be asking. Now, granted, God can probably do far more abundantly than what you're not asking. He often does that. But he wants you engaged in the process. He wants you ask. So what are you asking for God to do in yourself? Uh, Also, just as a side application, this is also true that God is working in other people in the church. He can do far more abundantly than what you're asking for other people. Sometimes I have complaints about people, believe it or not, and I'm like, man, that person's bugging me. They're outrageous. What is their problem? None of you, none of you. Um, And so I'm like, and I'm like, You know, you go off in your head, you're like, I'm going to tell them this, I'm going to tell them this. They're going to be blown away, and they're going to be like, man, you're right, I I am messed up. I am the worst. Usually, probably for the best, I I ease off that and don't go off on people. But God's been convicting me lately that the spirit that is working in me is working in them. If they're a believer, Christ dwells in them. And the Spirit is working in them. So before I go, hey, maybe I need to do something, what do I need to do? I need to ask God to do something. And you know what God does? When you go, hey, I love this brother or sister in the Lord, and they're bugging me, and this is going on. God, will you please uh, help them identify those things and help them work through those things. You know what usually happens within a week of, of me praying that? They go, hey, you know what I need to work on? And they say, and then they start developing and growing. And so we often need to remember that God is in the work of working in us and working in the people around us. And he can do far more abundantly than what we are asking. So ask. Be engaged in the process. I wanted to start at this end, at the end, because I wanted to ask you, what are you asking for? Uh, first question: What are you asking for God to do in you? And then, what are you asking God to do through you? Who are you asking God help me to be a compassionate person in the workplace? Help me to parent these children better. Help me, God reach out to my neighbors.
help me to have the same love you have for the neighbor that is firing off fireworks at 3 a.m. Lord, I need your help. I need your power. Because somebody's going to get hurt. God is going to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. In those two categories, in you and through you. Take your personal dreams out of this for, for a second. I'm not saying you can't pray about your personal ambitions. I'm not saying you can't pray about your dreams. But I want you to think, first of all, how God is working in you and through you, and he can do far more abundantly than you ask or think. When you see other people go, man, I wish I could serve Jesus like they are, or I wish I could be there for other people like they are, and counsel them, and help them, want you to go, how can I want you to ask God to work in you? It is possible. He can do far more abundantly than what you are asking. And you're going to see this throughout the passage that it is a passage of abundance. It is a passage of overflowing. Uh, it says far more abundantly. Uh, far more abundantly is like saying infinity times infinity. I don't know if when you were a kid, uh, you'd sometimes get in this argument where you go, well, I... It's either about how much you could do something or the level at which uh, you feel something, but you would say, hey, well, I do it, a like, I feel it a hundred. And then someone's like, no, I'm at a million. And then someone's like, billion, trillion, zillion. And then you'd get up into fake numbers for a while, cabadillion, whatever. Like, you would just make stuff up as you go, and it would keep going higher. And then one kid would drop, oh, yeah? Well, infinity. And then you'd be like, no! <laughs> he beat us. It's at infinity. You can't go higher than infinity. Unless you're a kid. Then you can go, well, I'm infinity times infinity. And pfft, you can't go higher than that. Oh, I've seen some kids try, but we all knew that they're playing with fire when they're trying to go higher than that. That's what Paul is saying. Now, to him who's able to do far more abundantly, that's far more and abundantly, put them together, infinity times infinity. God can do, like, work in categories that you can't even comprehend in you. God wants to continue to mature you. Some of us have settled for where we're at, and we're like, well, this is just me. I'm going to be here. But God wants to do far more abundantly than what you're asking. So ask him. Let's go back to verse 14. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. You have introductory pieces. He's addressing the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Uh, all families, all groups of people find their source in God, all come from the Father. And verse 16 is the key request of this prayer. It says, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. It's the main request. The main request is that 
he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That the main request of this prayer is that you would be strengthened in here. It is not strength for like superpowers, like God give me strength and then you can do some flashy thing, which would be cool. But this prayer is that his spirit may give you strength in your inner being. And I don't know about you, but in daily life, the thing I need the most is that inner strength. Usually situations are not so difficult. I can't handle it with God's power, but it's that inside where I, fe- I personally feel weak. This prayer is extremely relevant for us because the thing that makes life hard is our own personal weakness often, that we have trouble keeping our inner life intact uh, and we are filled with anxiety and worry and, and, and struggle and temptation. So the prayer is that you would be strengthened in your inner being. Notice uh, it is according to the riches of his glory. Again, abundance, overflowing abundance, that there is so much power to be had in your life, in your inner being, that you may be granted to be strengthened with power through his spirit. Again, this is not being strong like, you've, I, know, I knew you had it in you. The point of this is that you don't have it in you and that it is God's spirit who indwells you and empowers you. That it is power from outside yourself. Often, again, in America, we like to believe we all have so much untapped potential. And there's some situations where you go, I, I, that's a good point. But truly, your potential is empowered by the Spirit, that you need to be strengthened from something outside yourself. Uh, If you're here most Sundays, you've read the Apostles' Creed with us, and we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. It's very brief, but here's one of the things we believe. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, as your Savior, Christ's Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself, has regenerated you, empowered you, and now he indwells you. That Christ indwells you. Like, you may have heard that before at church, but let me say that again. The very Spirit of God indwells you to empower you. There's a lot of crazy things going on in the world, and a lot of people talking about power. There's presidential candidates at play trying to get power or hold on to power. There are all sorts of things, but there is power in you because of God's Spirit. And that's the significant thing going on. You may... It's not that presidential politics don't matter, but the things that truly do matter at an even deeper level is that God's spirit is empowering you. That is more power than a president can muster. That is more power than even a president has. Even the leader of the free world does not have as much power as the spirit is giving to you in your inner being. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith is a restatement of the Spirit dwelling in you. That Christ dwells in you 
through faith, that you trust Christ and Christ is there. He is not leaving you. He is at home in you and he is giving you strength and he is living through you. And it is far more significant that you have Christ, the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelling in you than all the power politics out there. (coughs) That Christ dwells in you. It says that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So the first prayer, the core prayer, is that you would be strengthened in your inner being. But that's not, that's not really the point of the prayer. The point of the prayer isn't that you just would be strong but the purpose of the prayer, verse 18, says you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height. So here's what's going on. He says, I pray that you will be strengthened in your inner being. Why does Paul pray that we would have strength? Is it because you could have some Samson strength? Is it because you could uh, just be a really stand-up person? No. The reason why Paul is praying that you would have strength is so you can comprehend the love of God. That is the reason for that prayer. Which, that's the thing that's been boggling my mind. So he goes, okay, we need to pray something before we get to the purpose of the prayer. We need to pray that you'd have strength so that you can understand God's love. He doesn't just pray. I pray that they'd understand God's love. He needs a preemptive prayer to go, you need power. You need strength in your inner being so that you can get the love of God. uh, There's an old movie, uh, A Few Good Men, in which uh, one character says, I want the truth, and they say, you can't handle the truth. I've been thinking about that phrase, only Paul is saying, you can't handle the love of God. You can't handle the love because you need to pray before you even think about the love so that you can comprehend it. So you need strength in your inner... And I'm like, how, how is that possible? That you need to be strengthened in your inner being so you can just grasp the love of God. And it gives all these dimensions. It says breadth, breadth and length and height and depth. It's just saying it's expansive. And then it restates, it, it says to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, saying you can't know this, but to know the little bit that you can, you're going to need to be empowered. You need to be infused with the power of God to even get that. To even understand the love of God, you need a supernatural power at work in your life. Love is something that we have trouble comprehending when it's just human love. Uh, We write poetry. Well, some of us do. My poetry, my wife ends up laughing at usually. Not because she's being mean, but I just, I lean towards the comedic poetry. And when I do it, it just, it's like, that was not suave. That, it was funny. And thank you. But some of us who are more gifted at heartfelt sentiment in poetry, we write that. We write soaring songs. 
Sometimes when we really love someone, we don't feel like we can get close enough to them. Like you ever hug someone because you love them so much and you almost kill them because you just squeeze them so tight. Or like adults who love, love these kids around them and they're like, oh, I love that kid. It's so cute. They say weird things like, I just want to eat them up. And we're like, what? <laughs> I just want to eat them up. What? What? That's like we are so overcome with love and cuteness and we're just like, oh, I just love them so much I want to eat them. Like we say crazy things because we can't comprehend love and that's human love. But the love of God is greater far. There's, a, there's an old hymn that talks about if you could fill all the oceans with ink and then write out stuff about the love of God, you could never do it. It wouldn't be enough ink. And until you are empowered by the Spirit to comprehend that, just a little piece of it, you don't get it. Until the Spirit goes, this is the reality of our world, that there is a God who loves you. We can think about the love of God as his immense patience towards us, towards us as humans, that he has waited long with us and was long-suffering, how, how God sent his son, took on flesh, and moved into the neighborhood, that Jesus did not stand far off, God did not stand far off and say, I love you, but he moved into our world, that he walked among us, he faced our pain, he faced our difficulty, that when Christ was on earth, he showed love to the outcast. People are like, why are you hanging out with him? And Jesus says, it's the sick that need a doctor. Jesus' reputation was so driven by love that he often had a bad reputation. He loved people that people were like, hey, you shouldn't be hanging out with them. You shouldn't be loving those people. Do you know what those kind of people do? And Jesus didn't care. That's how far his love goes. So if you ever go, oh, I'm beyond that, you are not beyond the love of God. There is so much uh, length and breadth to it. We can think about Christ's suffering, about his death on the cross for you, that he has suffered for you, and how he is welcoming you to the table that the kingdom of God is pictured as this immense banquet table stretching as far as the eye can see where people are coming from east and west and north and south and sitting there and there is a feast prepared for them by God himself, that God has provided a feast and he says, come to the table, you are my family. That God adopts us and welcomes us into his family and he doesn't go, oh, you're second-class citizen in this family. When he looks at us, we are, he sees us like he sees Jesus. He loves us like he loves Jesus. And if you go, that might be an overstatement, that's the Bible. God loves us like he loves Jesus. That Jesus has died for us and stood in our place so that we can be welcomed into the family of God. And this should stir our hearts. 
before he goes into that request, he uses this phrase, that you being rooted and grounded in love. And I love that phrase. It talks about where our identity is, where our reality is as Christians, that we are rooted and grounded in love. Rooted is the language of a tree, that your roots go down into the love of God. And then grounded is the language of a building and foundation. It gives you sturdiness. It makes you, you stand straight, that you are rooted and grounded in love. And in our world, we can root ourselves and ground ourselves in so many different things. This season especially, it is fear. Fear of this group or fear of that group. Fear of what might happen. Fear about what is happening. That some people, even Christians, can live their lives as if they are rooted and grounded in fear. That we are afraid of that place. That we are afraid of people who look like that. That we are afraid of what might be happening. And there is a place for concern, but when we are rooted and grounded in fear, we cannot love. If we are fearful of our neighbor, we have a very difficult time loving them. But God's love has come into the world and we are rooted and grounded in that. That is our reality. It is the love of God that we can't fully comprehend, that we need to be powered up to understand that. And what happens when our lives are rooted and grounded in love is it changes how we see everything. Ever walk outside and it's just like the perfect day? It's like sun shining, shining on your back. Like the slight breeze out there. It's like 75 degrees. Birds are ch chirping. Like, and you go, wow, I am so loved. God loves me. And he doesn't just love a future version of you when you get your act together. He loves you right now. And even in the bad times, there are people in our congregation who are suffering, who are facing scary times. There are people all around our nation who are facing difficulties all around the world. But when you are rooted and grounded in love, those experiences are different. They're difficult. But in the moment of your suffering, you know God's love is there that you are rooted and grounded in that, that that is your reality. I think we can sometimes root ourselves and ground ourselves in fear, and that comes to play into our, our politics sometimes. It comes to play into how we engage our neighbors. It comes into play how we parent our children, that we are led by fear, and it creates a very different product than being rooted and grounded in love. In other people, I think it can be a temptation for us to be rooted and grounded how do I, in entertainment or in, you, I guess you could say, uh, rooted and grounded in Netflix binging or whatever your choice entertainment is, that we, our roots are not into anything substantial. We are rooted and grounded in silliness, in, 
and just, just fun. But if we're rooted and grounded in love, we know that the love of God is both life-giving and it gives us some seriousness about the world. Because when you're rooted and grounded in love, you see the people around you as places where that love can overflow. That you see people hurting and you have compassion. And I want to point out that the aim of this prayer is that you would be strengthened so that you can know love, so that you can become what you're supposed to become. And that sometimes in our Christian lives, we aim for other things. We aim for rules. We aim for self we aim for all sorts of things, but the aim and says the way you are going to grow as a Christian is by reflecting and knowing the love of God. That the Christian life is one that is transformed by that experience. That we can try to do all sorts of other different things, but if we ignore the love of God, or if we go, I'm into other things, I want to study other things, and we ignore the love of God, that we will not grow. That the heart of growth for the Christian, the heart of our experience is experiencing that love. That we experience the love of God and it transforms our hearts. There are, I've had conversations with pastors around our city and it breaks my heart to hear that churches have forgotten the love of God. That they have remembered keeping the building nice, that they have remembered any number of rules, but they have forgotten the love of God that transforms all things. So do you want transformation in your life? Here's where your focus needs to be, the love of God. Can you comprehend it? No. So you need to be empowered so that you can. And I think it's important that I mention that one of the ways that we need to do that, that we need to continue to think on the love of God, is through daily scripture reading and prayer. It seems like kind of an elementary answer. But if the thing that changes us and transforms us is the love of God, then we need to be immersing ourselves in it daily. What are other things that we immerse ourselves in daily? Uh, whether it's our, our favorite TV show, our favorite book, whatever it is that you immerse yourself in on a regular basis, it is essential for transformation that we immerse ourselves in the scriptures. Even if it's just reflecting on a verse or two a day, whether it's just praying uh, short prayers throughout the day that we must meditate and reflect on the love that God has for us. And when we do that, we will not believe the, the far more abundant change God will bring to your life. If you are immersed in the love of God, it will change everything. And maybe the reasons why you are not seeing the transformation in your life that you want is because you are not focused on the love of God. You're focused on a bunch of other things. And this love is so deep. I hear a lot of people going, I'm, well, I don't know if I hear a lot of people, but I see some people who I'm friends with, who I went to seminary with, who are going on for higher degrees, and that's awesome. And they're diving into different subjects. You know what subject we all need to dive in is the love of God. We can't comprehend it. It surpasses all knowledge, and you need to be spiritually empowered to get it. 
So if you don't get it, pray to God for the strength to get it. And if you are strengthened to understand some of it, keep on reflecting on it, meditate on it, spend time on that daily. Even if it's just reflecting on these verses daily over the past two weeks, it has been such a powerful experience for me to constantly have these verses in my mind because I walk around with a sense that God loves me and that changes how I interact with the people around me. It changes how I interact with my neighbors. It changes how I interact with my family. That if we are immersed and rooted and grounded in love, it will change everything. And at the end of verse 19 is the grand purpose of all this. It says that that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you Christian... If you trust Christ, you are supposed to be filled with all the fullness of God. And as you reflect on his love, that is why it is possible for you to be filled with all the fullness of God. That is your destiny. That is what you are made for, that you would be filled with all his fullness. That is temple language. At the end of chapter 2, it said, we all are being built into a holy temple for God to dwell by his spirit. That does not mean this building. This building is a very sad temple. Uh, There are some very nice church buildings around this. We love it, but it is not a cathedral. The temple that God is building is you and I indwelt by the spirit. You want to know the beauty of a temple that can go anywhere? I should rephrase. Do you know, want to know the beauty of a temple that is people? It can go anywhere. It can. That was all backwards. That's a deep point. I have to admit. The thing about a temple made with people is it can go anywhere. It can go into your workplace. Where is God? All the fullness of God is meant to dwell in you as you reflect on his love and know it more and more and more. And that can, The temple can go to your workplace. The temple can go to your home. The temple of the Holy Spirit is you, and it can go into our streets. That the fullness of God, what happens when a glass is full? It spills. The fullness of God wants to spread into the world. Is why we believe in missional communities. It's one of the things we do. It's just a tool for us to say, get out into the world be filled with the love of God now you could try to you could be tired you could say I'm not I'm not on mission anymore because I've tried it and it doesn't work you want to know what gives us energy for mission the love of God if we're like our techniques or doing this or a checklist of things that you need to do in your neighborhood that you're going to be exhausted at that you know what will give you strength the love of God the love of God will drive you and it will overflow you and it, you can go anywhere. Uh, one one uh, Christian theologian talks about temple theology and, and we'll close with this. And he says, a temple is a place where heaven and earth interlock. That earth is where humans dwell and function. It's where we exist. Heaven is where God dwells. In a temple, back when they had a building in Israel, 
they had the Holy of Holies. In the Holy of Holies, the inner part of the temple was where heaven and earth interlocked. So everyone's like, we got to go to the temple. That is the place where God dwells, where, where heaven and earth interlocks. And the powerful thing about that for us is that you, if you are one who has faith, if the Spirit dwells in you, in you, you are a place where heaven and earth interlocks. And if you are rooted and grounded in love, you're called to spread that love. And if you are continually experiencing the love of God, you begin to see people with the eyes of God, with the love of God. And to be honest, we really need that in our world, don't we? Like, you go on the internet, and it's like people biting each other's heads off every second on the second, and it's crazy. And people are choosing sides, and they're saying, well, if you don't agree with me, uh, you hate me, and I hate you. But the love of God, when we are rooted and grounded in that, it changes how we see everything. So my prayer for you is that you would be strengthened in your inner being so that you can know and comprehend the love of Christ, the love of God. And my prayer for us is that we would be a temple on the move, that we would be a place where people can encounter God and his love. Our experience of God is an experience of God's love and we can spread that to those around us.